if this is your first time with us, you may or may not know, this is what we call Family Gathers Month. So uh, August is an awesome time to give so many of our wonderful volunteers a break. Many of them are you, so thank you for serving all year long. Uh, so we give tons of our children's volunteers a break, and uh, this is a month where we all get together, 5 to 95. We gather in this space to, to worship and, and be a family. Uh, so I get to finish this last week of Spiritual Dominoes. You know, the idea there's this domino effect. There's a momentum that happens, a spiritual maturity and growth that happens when certain things get worked into our lives. And so uh, wrapping this up, I want to go back to week one and just do a little recap that the first thing we talked about is that there are providential relationships. If you stop and think for a moment, it seems like there are times that God has put very specific people in your life at a certain time and in a certain way, and they've been absolute life changers. The other one is this, private practices. I mean, I think God loves it when we come together to worship like this, but there's things that we do outside of this time that continue to nurture and build our faith. We meditate on God's word and we get out in creation and we be silent and and we engage in fellowship together. There's these private practices that we do to help us grow and mature in our faith. The other one is this, personal ministry. That I don't know if you know this, but God has gifted every single person in here to be a part of his kingdom work. He's given you a personality and he's given you gifts and passions and desires that are meant to build his kingdom in this world, to bring God's peace to our city. The other one is this, pivotal circumstances. You know, we could all go back and there's a circumstance that you go, man, I had one way or another to go and my life changed because of that circumstance. I think of who I could be without some pivotal circumstances in my life. And the last one is this, the one I get to dive into today is practical teaching. And to do that, I actually wanna pause and think about, aren't these guys awesome back here, the strings group? I, I don't know that I know like any hoedown moves, but when they did that last thing, I was like, let's break it up right there, I'm on. Uh, I love that, get that Western going. So. <clears throat> Anyway, they have worked so hard and worshiped so well. And I don't know if you know, but there's 18, these are all Sam Alliance kids, 18 kids, but from six different schools, playing four different instruments, spending 15 to 20 hours in preparation, getting ready to lead us this weekend. And they're all in school, like, this is your last free weekend, you know? They took their last free weekend to come and serve and love us. And we're so grateful for that. They've had lots of wonderful teachers along the way, but I know the teacher, it takes a great teacher to pull this together. And uh, the great teacher that pulled this together, he doesn't want any credit, so I'm not gonna give Randy Gregory any credit whatsoever (laughs) for pulling this together. So if you see Randy, just walk by. Don't congratulate him, don't smile for doing a great job on this. Um, Now the truth is, we all know this, great teachers, great teachers make a huge difference. Great teachers make a huge difference. You know, if, if you got in here or didn't, our, our pre-service texting question was this, who was your favorite teacher and why? And I don't mean just the teacher that's like, well, I didn't have to do anything in that class. I mean, that, that teacher's nice sometimes too. But the teacher that you know, they were a great teacher because they saw something in you. They saw more than what was just on the outside. They saw something in you that quite honestly, you didn't even see in yourself. In fact, here's a couple of things that that came up just on the texting this weekend. One person said this, that my favorite teacher, my greatest teacher challenged me 
while helping me believe in myself. Another one said this, my favorite teacher saw my bruises and she cared. Great teachers, great teachers bring something out in us that nobody else brings out. In fact, I was reminded of my favorite teacher, the the greatest teacher I had through my high school years just recently. Our, Our family has a yearly trip to the Clackamas County Fair where we get to enjoy overpriced rides and really healthy food. So my mom and my wonderful wife, my mom takes us all over there and we have a great time eating awesome stuff like corn dogs and elephant ears and we just finished the rides and we're heading for our corn dogs and as we're walking by this group of picnic tables, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed Katie Hadeen. Now I hadn't seen Katie in 15 years, uh, but Katie and I both went to Colton High School, home of the one flashing yellow light. And... Uh, when I saw Katie, we started talking, we started catching up. You know, when you haven't seen somebody in a while, you start to catch up and what's going on and are you married? Do you have kids and what are you doing for work? And, and she, she looks at me, she goes, well, yeah, my husband and I are teachers. We teach Spanish at a small school in Ohio. I said, no way, that's great. She goes, yeah, you know why? And I knew what she was gonna say, but I wanted to hear it. She goes, Mrs. Mansker. And I knew exactly who she was talking about. Mrs. Mansker was a great Teacher. She was a Spanish and math teacher, but she was the one at Colton High School that she saw things in people that they didn't see in themselves. She saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. I remember the day that I was walking down the Colton High School hallway. That's right, hallway, not hallways. Okay, very small school. We only had one, you know. So she knew where to find us. I'm, I'm walking down the hallway at Colton High School and suddenly she stops me in the school and she looks me in the eyes and just said, have you ever thought about being a teacher? And she was so sincere. And in my head, with my, I was a total punk attitude with this big flying red mullet, you know, and she saw through all that stuff. Because in my head, I was like, no, I've never thought about being a teacher. I want to make money. You know, that's what I was thinking. I want to like go on vacation, you know. That's, and fortunately, she couldn't peek inside my head. She saw through all that stuff. And, and she looks at me and she goes, because you would be a great teacher. And I never forgot those words. I never forgot what she saw more in me than what was just on the surface. Well, I went on to get my undergraduate degree in teaching at Western Oregon University. By the way, any wolves out there? Can we have some wolves, please? Yeah, there we go. We're always hearing about beavers and ducks, beavers and ducks. How about those wolves, okay? Linfield and Lamb, we'll come back to you later. But Mrs. Mansker. Mrs. Mansker loved Jesus deeply, and teaching school was her ministry. Teaching school is her ministry, and she would be overjoyed to know the kind of teaching that I get to do today. And I just want to pause right now and ask, are there any teachers, either retired or current teachers in the room? If you are, I'm going to ask you to do what kids, you ask kids to do all year long, so no complaining. I want you to raise your hand. If you are a teacher, look around at those teachers right here. We have got a ton. I love it. We have got a ton of teachers I want to say something to you teachers. You're heroes. You are heroes, and here's why. I know that you are going to spend more time caring about kids and being a great teacher than you will ever get paid for. I know that you're going to spend, yeah, (laughs) keep it going. (laughs) Come on. You're going to spend more money than you will ever, ever get reimbursed for. You are great Teachers, and you need to know your ministry is vital in this city and your kingdom of God ministry absolutely matters. 
You know, as I said, great teachers see more in people than they see in themselves, but great teachers teach for change. Great teachers don't teach simply for a great SAT score or the perfect Scantron test. They don't teach just to pass on and disseminate information. They want more than the fact that you can pass the test. Great teachers teach for change. Great teachers teach for transformed lives. You know, this morning, I want to take a look at the greatest teacher, the greatest teacher of all time with the greatest message of all time. We're going to look at Jesus, the Son of God, the ultimate teacher. If you'd open with me to Matthew 5, uh, or you can look at it up on the screen right behind me. Here's what, I, here's what you need to know, though. The Sermon on the Mount, this is one of Jesus' most famous teaching pieces. If, if you haven't gotten into this, I, I, I just encourage you to chew on it a little bit. But here's what's going on before he sits down to teach some people. Jesus has been traveling. Jesus has started his teaching ministry. He started his healing ministry, and people are swarming to him. Thousands are beginning to swarm to Jesus, and they want to hear what is it that he's going to say? What does he have to say that's different than everybody else out there? Matthew 5.1 says this. Now when he saw the crowds, Jesus, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, I want to pause right there because I think as they came to Jesus, every one of those people came hoping to receive something. Every one of those people came hoping to get something from this teaching. And my hunch is this, as you got in your car, as you drove down here this morning, and as you walked through every one of those doors, you walked in and sat down hoping to receive something this morning. You walked in hoping to get something out of this morning. And I know that as you walked in here hoping to get something out of this morning, so many of us have a ton of other things going on in our heart and in our minds. For, for some of you, your family's like, dude, that I got out the door with all my kids clothed and in church, like that's a victory right there. That's what I was hoping to receive. Some people came in here this morning with great excitement, great excitement about a new school year. You came in with great excitement about a new job. You came in with great excitement about a new relationship. You came in with great excitement about your family or your marriage or your roommates. You came in here with great excitement, but others walked in here today with great difficulty. You walked in discouraged. You walked in with some anxiousness about this year ahead. Anxiousness about school. You walked in with anxiousness about finances. Some of you walked in with a marriage that's struggling or friendships that are on the rock. Some of you walked in and you've recently lost people in your life. Some of you walked in and you just don't know what this, this year is gonna look like. And most of us walked in with a mix of all those things going on in our heads. But as we sit here today, I wanna remind us of something that Randy Gregory said about these kids when he teaches them what his hope for is. Randy said, as a teacher, I love it when kids come in ready to go. I love it when kids come in ready to go. So as we walk in these doors hoping to receive something, and as we walk in with lots of things going in our mind, lots of things going in our heart, I want to encourage us to come in ready to go, ready to receive something. And this is one way that we can do it. We simply stop even right now and say, God, what do you have for me today? God, what do you have for me today? Because I'm convinced, no matter who stands here and preaches, no matter who plays these instruments and leads us in worship, the God of love who gathers us together and loves that we're worshiping together has something for each and every one of us today as we come and say, God, what do you have 
for me today. Man, he loves you so much. He sees exactly where you are. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Man, he sees what's going on. He knows exactly what you need, exactly what you need to hear, exactly what you need to experience, and he is gracious. And as those people sat there that day 2,000 years ago and heard the amazing teaching of Jesus, I want us today to look at the amazing teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. We're not gonna go through every bit of it, but I wanna highlight a few spots of Jesus' amazing teaching that I think will make so much sense for us today. So if you wanna turn with me to Matthew 5.43, or these will all be up on the screen if you wanna follow along. Matthew 5.43 says this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That sounds a lot like our culture out in the world today. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But I tell you, the great teacher, Jesus, the son of God says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Man, we need to hear that today from Syria to Iraq to Israel to Ferguson to Ukraine. These are powerful words in a culture that's built on revenge, on getting back at people. I wonder Is there someone you need to love? Someone that you don't wanna love that you need to love? Is there someone that you need to forgive, to pray for? Matthew 6, 33, another great piece of Jesus' teaching. Matthew 6, 33 and 34 says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Man, how's your worry meter? Are you feeling heavy as you walk in here today? What have you been seeking to satisfy? Is it the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign in our life? Move to Matthew 7, 12. This is one with three little girls that get said a lot in our house. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. I did some research about that word everything. In the original, Jesus spoke Aramaic in that language. It means everything. (laughs) We love to look at those little side doors. Yeah, yeah, but what about, you know? And he goes, no, in everything, everything, all of it, treat other people how you want to be treated. And as they finish that, I can, I can imagine those people sitting there listening to this unbelievable teaching. There's really two full chapters of it. And I can hear that, oh, amen, preach it, Jesus, come on. That's my multicultural side. <laughs> today, we might say, oh, boy, Fowler brought the word today. Oh, man, that was, a, that was a great message. What a message. Boy, I love that. That felt good. And we know that they were amazed because in Matthew 7, 28 says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. They were amazed. But here's the deal. Great teachers teach for change. I don't think Jesus' goal that that day or this day for us is that we would simply be amazed at his teaching. He He wasn't satisfied with the fact that we would even agree with his teaching. 
that we would memorize his teaching. Believe me, those are wonderful things. I encourage us to do that. But Jesus is teaching for change, not just memorization. He's teaching for change, not just a Bible study. He's desiring us to live this out. And if we back up to verse 724, we'll see the thing that makes all this come together, makes all this make sense. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that rock, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. But everyone who puts them into practice. Everybody there that day was amazed at his teaching. Everybody there had experienced difficulty. They knew the wind, they knew the rain, they knew the streams that would rise, the floods that they would encounter, but the ones that stood strong, the ones that thrived in the middle of it, were the ones who put Jesus' teaching into practice. You know, as a proud dad of three little girls, I don't really need that many invitations to talk about them, but since it's Family Gathers Month, I'm going to. And uh, I gotta say this, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at what those little girls teach me when I stop and listen to them. I'm amazed at what I have to put into practice because of the questions they ask and the things that they do with me. I, I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but have you ever had one of those days where you're just exhausted? You finished work, you're spent, it's been hot out. Anybody relate to that one? Maybe it's just you were playing out in the pool, but uh, bottom line, the end of the day, you're spent, you're sunk, and you're looking for that place that you go when you like to relax. The place that you go at the end of the day when you want to unplug or veg out a little bit and not have to be anything to anyone, and maybe it's a chair or a place that you lay down, a place that you go, but it's the end of the day, and that's the spot that you want to be at. I was finishing up a day like that, a meeting with Fowler, And I'd headed over to my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house, and I really was spent. And all of a sudden, these three little girls, as I sit down ready to unplug, come running up, daddy, 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 daddy. And they're right in my face. And then they're telling me all kinds of stories. And suddenly, Gracelyn, our six-year-old, is just like right here. I mean, she's six inches from my face. And she's so excited. And she's telling me these stories. And, and, and she said, I want to have this soccer party, and I want to have a race, and da-da-da. And honestly, I, I sat there for a second. I didn't want to engage. I didn't feel like engaging. And I knew that if I just looked at her and nodded for a while, she would actually go back and keep playing with her sisters. But I felt like the Lord said, and it's, it's the Lord that said this. He goes, stop and listen. Stop and really listen to her. I said, really, honey, so you wanna do what? She goes, I wanna have a soccer party and a race. It's not her birthday, it's not a special occasion, just a soccer party and a race. So, okay, well, hey, so do you wanna have it down at the school? She goes, no, no, at our house. I said, where? She goes, right out in front of the street. I said, Okay. Uh, I said, so who do you want to invite? She goes, well, I want to invite my first grade classroom. I want to invite all our neighbors and I want to invite the college kids. That's what she calls them, the college kids. So I'm, the college, I'm a college age pastor. I said, boy, that sounds great, Grayson. So are we going to have like food there? And she goes, yeah, that's a good idea. She goes, let's have uh, chicken nuggets, <laughs> macaroni and cheese. She goes, and we need something healthy, daddy, carrots. Let's have carrots, you know? I said, 
That sounds great. She goes, oh, and the college kids can bring desserts. I was like, okay, girls love desserts. And uh, so I said, well, how are they gonna, how are they gonna know about it? You know, do we need like an invitation? And she goes, yeah, I need to make an invitation. So I said, well, you just tell me what it is that you want on that invitation and uh, I'll tell you kind of how to spell it. So she starts to make a, an invitation. This is one year ago. <clears throat> and uh, the day comes, she stands up actually at the college group. She stands up and invites everybody, six years old with her little microphone. Um, and the day comes and it's pouring down rain. <laughs> 75 people showed up at our house. <laughs> our 1,400 square foot, three bedroom, two bath house. And with the rain, there was, there was college students helping make giant like vats of macaroni and cheese, you know? And there's people <laughs> squeezed into bedrooms. I talked to somebody, she goes, oh yeah, my daughter ate in the bedroom, you know? And, and uh, I mean, they're squeezed in absolutely every place. You know, we did a little bit of the soccer party. We did the race and, and she finished it up and she looks at me and she goes, daddy, that was great. I wanna make it an annual thing. You know, I was like, you're six. How do you know what annual means, you know? And, and I said, that's a great idea, honey. I said, well, is there anything else that you'd want to do with it? She goes, yes. She goes, next year when people come, they can bring a dollar and we'll give it to kids in other countries. Aww. And I said, that is a great idea. And then the domino effect happened because our other two little girls who were four and five, Lydia and Abigail, they just said, well, we need to do something too. So Araya, my incredible wife, got them together and, they, and the girls just started brainstorming about all the things they could do. And so Lydia and Abby just said, oh, we're gonna have what four and five year olds do. We're gonna have a dance party at our house. We're gonna have toe painting and we're gonna watch a movie and we're gonna ask people that come to bring school supplies and we're gonna send those supplies to a school that we know about in Uganda. You know, as I stopped and listened I got to walk with my daughters, not just knowing the words of Jesus, but really putting their faith into practice. You know, and I gotta say, sometimes we might think, like, really, what does a dollar do? What can a dollar really do? And you know what, this morning, I actually want any kids in the audience, I want you to come up and meet me by the chair, and I want you to help me think through what is it that a dollar could really do for somebody? So come on up, kids, come on up right now. All kids. There you go. Don't trip, but come up like PE class. Come on. There you go. Come up and just grab a seat right here. Perfect, 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 perfect. Come over a little bit this way on the stairs. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, good. Thank you. You don't want to miss this one. There we go. I like it. Bring it down from the balcony. Keep coming. Oh, thank you, guys. You guys are the best. All right, so I want you guys to think about what, what can you get for a dollar? What could someone, what, what would you do with that? What could you get, get with a dollar? Go just say. Candy. Candy. Okay, that's, not, that's one thing you give with a dollar. Good. A toy. A toy. Excellent. Uh, probably go to the dollar tree and go to, um, buy, buy like those massive packs of candy and <laughs> Feast on it. <laughs> Good. Dollar Tree, you get a lot of stuff at the Dollar Tree. Also go to the Dollar Tree, but get a squirt gun and attack my sister. Ah, good. I would go, go, go to a store and go put it in a donation. Nice. You can put it in a donation. That's great. Any kinds of food that you can think of, food that you can get for a dollar? Do you know a food that you could get for a dollar? Grapes. Grapes. 
Good, very healthy. That's definitely not a corn dog. Dog food. Dog food, good. A cheeseburger at McDonald's. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. You know, you can actually, for a dollar at McDonald's, you can get like any size drink. You can get like a gallon of coffee at McDonald's for a dollar. Okay, so now here's what I want you to think about. So if you had a dollar to go help somebody, maybe somebody that needs food or whatever, if you had a dollar, can you think of anyone that you could go help? Who could you go help? Yeah. Um, people who don't have any food or water or anything. Okay. Like um, homeless people. Yeah. Give money to them. Yeah, that's great. I would go and do it for the people that live on the streets. Yeah, people that live on the street. Yeah, what? Right down there. Soda. Soda. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of captured by soda and candy on that last question, too. For people in other countries. Yeah, for people in other countries. That's great, you guys. Well, here's what we're going to do. I'd love to take all your, all your answers. I can't take them all, but I want you to talk about it a little bit with your friends or family or whoever brought you, because here's what we're going to do. In just a minute, we're going to pray, and then you're going to get a dollar to go bless somebody else. You're gonna get a dollar to go help somebody else who needs help. So whether you wanna go buy a coffee or a cliff bar or give it to a person, I want you to get together with your family and say, all right, God, who is it that you would have us bless with this dollar? So I'm gonna pray, and then there's a few people right down here, and you're gonna go get a dollar from them. After I say amen, you're gonna get a dollar from them and then head back to your seats. That sound good? Okay, here we go. Father, um, Thank you for the heart of a child that is a great teacher. Thank you that if you can take a, a couple fish and a few loaves of bread to feed 5,000, that you could do a lot more with a dollar. So we pray for your domino effect with these dollars, and I pray that as these kids and their families go out and look for who they would help, Lord, that you would just bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, can we give these guys a hand? So right there, you guys come on up. Spread out, Cameron. Those guys are going to have dollars that you can take. And once you get your dollar, head back to your seat. And you can take some time later and talk about what you might get to do with that. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Good. Did you get a dollar? Oh, you need one. Definitely. couple of our strings folks right there. Unbelievable. Um, well, I can tell you that last day in September, yeah, 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 we can clap for them a lot. <laughs> that last day, a year ago in September, when all those people, the 75 people crammed into our little 1,400 square foot house, uh, it had no name. It didn't even have a definite purpose yet except to have fun but by the end of that day, it turned out way better than we could have ever imagined. And so, therefore, uh, last year, the Grace Race was born. And <clears throat> while we were there, we took a little bit of video footage. I had no idea that we were going to do anything. I had no intention to make a highlight reel. So it's a little bit shaky. So don't, you know, don't get sick to your stomach as you're watching it. But we got a little bit of footage from the Grace Race. I even, even see some people here that were actual participants in the Grace Race. Um, but I want to give you a chance to take a look at a little highlight video we put to Graceland's favorite song at the time, Grace Race 2013. <laughs> 
for the grace race, we're going to do, bring one dollar so that you can help other kids in different countries. Um, thank you for coming, Grace Race. Pretty fun. Well, you and I know that as we launch into this year, uh, the rains will come. The winds will blow. The streams will rise. But the person who takes the teaching, takes their faith and puts it into practice is the one who will have a foundation on the rock. And I'm convinced the city of peace with God is filled with people who not only hear the teaching of Jesus, but then go out and live it out. And the thing I love about putting it into practice is that word practice. Like you don't have to get it right the first time. Sometimes we mess it up, but we just take the next step. Sometimes we get hung up not taking the next step because we think we have to know all the steps. But I wonder, what does God have for you today? What does God have for you today? What is it that he wants you personally to put into practice? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone that you know you're not treating the way that you'd like to be treated Is there a worry that you need help letting go of? Is there something that you've been seeking that you know deep down it's not God's kingdom work and it's not gonna satisfy? Maybe you just need to go home and soak up Matthew 5 through 7 again and just soak in the teachings of Jesus and listen and say, God, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to go live out? What do you want me to to really practice? And just know that he's not the God of condemnation. He's the God of love. So when he invites us to send us some of these things that are life-giving but also hard, he is the God of love and he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what we need. So as they lead us in this last worship song, I just want to encourage you, as you go home tonight even, talk about it. Don't leave it here. Don't go away saying, oh yeah, that's a good idea to put those teachings into practice. Go home and talk about it. What do we need to put into practice in our family? What do I need to put into practice in my life?